WebMX Network production. You cast me, complete me till death do us part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmx.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. So my career is empty. Empty. 498, you're almost worthy of 500, but you're also really cool. Like, it kind of fucking stings. Yeah. Yeah. And kicking yourself in the back of the helmet's never a good move. If you play your cards right, I'll play all the drops. I know you'll be working on it. Uh, that's a that's a like th- the reality is if he hit less people throughout the year nothing happens here right you get uh 80 85 percent tonight maybe <laughs> if he would ride a little bit differently man he could be in the hunt for the championship and i was pretty sure he hates me genuinely he's a dad he's 29 he's gonna win a supercross title and i rode with him a lot even though he'd lap me every day so i ended one guy's career and launched another there you go <laughs> when i get cut off in my car driving someone puts a hand up then i'm fine <laughs> okay yeah. Yeah. i mean you used you used to be a mechanic yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Like my rookie year i felt like him and his mechanic rich like at riders meeting like i'd make eye contact with them and it was like burning laser through my soul <laughs> and i'm like do they hate me plumbers and carpenters are beating him in motos i'm like i'm 100 percent content and know this is my last season racing ama supercross yeah but i think they still change back then he would take you out just for fun I don't, I don't mind seeing Jason get taken down because he's done it to so many other people. Eye for an eye, I guess. It was basically like being at Costco waiting to check out, and I was like, fuck this. No, I feel like Is there's this... a butt coming. Oh, okay. I'll send you an email of the whole industry breakdown. Honestly, if I have to pick one, for sure, the phone. I don't care if Justin Marshall wanted to go in and kill him. I, I really don't care at all. If you want to make Hardy Munoz your poster boy for good decisions, that's okay. I'll be out of the industry. They make the titles for the space shuttle. He has taken some lemons, and he's made lemonade. He beats Stu in a title. We're actually doing, uh, we're going to do Dark Side's podcast tomorrow together. I'm not really that comfortable like, uh, sitting next to it. And my nuts have taken a pounding here the past few years. Do you have your nut problem <laughs> solved? I don't want a needle stuck in my sack. It's from trauma, like getting roosted and getting like hit in the nuts, dealing with crazy chicks. Honestly, it felt like a fucking mosh pit. Is he trying to grab your balls or something? The butler let me in. God help us if your fucking, fucking foot brake springs don't work. What's up, everybody? It's Wednesday night, which means it's time for another episode of the Pulp Mix Wrap-Up Show. Obviously, as always, I'm your host, Darkseid, from the Moto X-Pod Show, not the and Pony Pod. We have another great show to discuss, so let's introduce our guest. First up, he's a first-timer on the Wrap-Up Show, but I'm sure you guys know all about his YouTube channel and is helping out with Pulp Mix. He's brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires. It's Roto Moto. What's up, dude? Hey, Jamie. How's it going, buddy? Who? Oh, 
yeah, J- uh, Jamie. Hello, excuse oh. me, Jamie. Jamie Whatever. from the uh, Jamie from the press conference. Yeah, I got to roll with it, I guess, huh? It's just it's <laughs> I'm locked into this thing now. Sounds like I'm I'm locked into using my real name at times. Uh, but uh, next up, I can't. I can't. Oh. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Roto. I was going to say, I can't say anything because everybody still calls me Roto, and I literally put my first name out there, and I'm still Roto. So I feel your pain. You lose no matter how you do it. Well, like I said, man, I just sort of I sort of feel like I got my foot in the door of the industry by using this nickname. That's what everybody kind of knows me by, and it's sort of become my thing. So I was just running with it. But Steve and Kiefer, man, they just can't let anybody, you know, they just got to gotta fuck with everything. So... These guys are assholes. It's the Pulp MX way. Yeah, it really is. And next up, he's becoming a regular. He's the brains behind the Moto Limited show. He's got a sexy-ass wife, and he's brought to you by Guts Racing. Trent Marr, what's up, dude? Hello, Mr. Side. How are you this fine evening? I'm doing good. I'd be doing better if, if your wife was on here, but you know what? We'll settle for you. <laughs> Look, I got you a special recording. You can just have that for now, and then one day... She'll probably be more famous than me, so I'll let I'll let you uh, put her on your show first. <laughs> Roto, Trent's wife, man. Like I, I was hanging out at Anaheim. I went over there to their him and Nick's hotel to hang out to do a podcast with them, and he's FaceTiming his wife, and all I hear is a sexy Australian accent, and I I, I just instantly melted, man. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I don't blame you. I don't I don't have anything to compare it to. I don't have any frame of reference, but I'll take your word for it. it yeah, nice. It's rad. She's cool too. So yeah, look, it, it, it's hard, it's hard to listen to dark side all the time. You know, like, <laughs> I bet, I bet. All right, guys, this week it's show four ninety eight, or is it? Could be four ninety nine. We don't really know. Uh, either way, we had a great lineup with Travis Preston and Will Hahn in studio on the phone. Justin Brayton came on. Uh, Logan Cardow, Ryan Sipes, A Ray, and Devin Raper, and a surprise appearance by Michelin's Randy Richardson. Man, guys, it's really cool to have. I thought it was really cool to have Travis on without Kiefer because that's sort of the main dynamic that I've had tra- heard Travis on the show. And, you know, it just, I think it brought a little bit different part of his personality out, Trent. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. Every time sort of Travis has been on, has been with Kiefer, and to have him by himself or, you know, with Will Hahn, a little bit different dynamic, I felt like we got a little bit more of TP's personality. He wasn't kind of. You know, we've been in studio with Chris Kiefer. He's a big personality. So just to even sit there, you kind of lose, you know, a little bit of what you're doing because he takes over, you know. But this time was good to hear him sort of be a little bit more himself and, uh, you know, open up a little bit more. And, and, and again, like Steve does all the time, the history between him and Will Hahn, like there's a little bit of history there. And it was cool that we got to hear some different stories from TP as well this time. Yeah, a lot of stories. And we're going to get into a few of those. And Roto, having Will Hahn back, man, that... I am so happy. Like, I, I like Star Yamaha, no problems, but I'm glad Will's not at Star Yamaha anymore so he could be back on the show in studio. Fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And it was cool that we got a little bit, I know we'll probably touch on it later, but a little bit of, this, of the story of, you know, why he wasn't back on or why he wasn't allowed back on with Star. But they were a really good match for each other. I thought Travis and Will. Um, he Will's a little bit more, like, very charismatic, but a little bit more passive. So Preston definitely got to kind of take the lead a little bit. It was nice yeah, to yeah. Fair point. Yeah, right on. Well, as I said, it was a really great show, even if Tits only gave 85%. Again, lots of great stories. I thought, like, more stories than I was expecting. If you go back and actually, I went back through my notes, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, there was a story or two, like, every segment almost. And 
uh, that makes it a lot of fun. Like we we get the same kind of general topics every week, right? And we're going to get into like. Is Eli Tomek the best he's ever been? And Jet Lawrence and all the, those normal topics. But getting these stories that either maybe we've never heard or we haven't heard in a while. There's new listeners. Man, fantastic. And Trent, I think that's the stories, these these behind-the-scenes stories that come out every episode almost of Pulp, like you just can't get that anywhere else, right? There's Nobody's really, other than like McGrath, nobody's really written any books with all these stories or the, the story of their career. So this is one of the best places to get it at Pulp Mex. Yeah, and we've spoken about this multiple times that I've you know been on here and discussed this with you. Like, it's more the personality, uh, the, per- the, the relationship that Steve has with these different personalities that he can get the stories out of them. They feel comfortable to come in studio and to tell these stories, to open up and, you know, make themselves vulnerable to, to being laughed at a little bit in some cases, you know. <laughs> right, so right. I, I think it's that relationship that he's built over the years and doing what he's doing that gives us that because you're 100% right. Every time we sort of tune in and we see who's on the, you know, on the co-host list for that week, we're kind of like, oh, wonder what sort of stories or what sort of information we're going to get out of these guys rather than, you know, the general topic stuff, you know, that comes each and every week. We're just like, what stories are we going to get this week from this uh, issue co-host? Yeah, funny. You just mentioned the you know when you go to look to see who the guests are every week. Like I always hit you know Monday Monday afternoon my time. I'm looking at Steve's Twitter or Pulpamex Show Twitter to see who the guests are. And Sunday I sent a text to Logan and I was like, Hey, if Steve does not have you on Monday, you're on my show Tuesday. And you're like, Perfect, no problem. So Tuesday the the thumbnail comes out and Logan's not on it. So I text Logan. I'm like, You're in, dude. And then that night he's like, oh, Steve just texted me. He wants me on. I was like, son of a bitch. Because <laughs> he screws me down, man. Because like, it's almost impossible to come up with topics that Steve's not going to hit, right? And like anybody that listens to our show is probably listening to Pulp Mex. So I was like fucking bummed. But we did we did do it a little different. I had Hannah on too. But Steve, Steve kind of got, he got, uh, he got in front of me on that one. So whatever. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's start with some general discussion topics. Uh, this has come up multiple times in recent weeks. Eli Tomac, uh, is he better than ever? Let's listen to what they had to say. Tomac's got an almost two-race lead now, and maybe he looks better than ever. That happened quick. Is it just the Yamaha, Travis? Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, All right. moving on. He does make the bike look good, though, and how he has it set up like he sets the bike up how it sh- so, should be set up like i think he likes riding the bike a little high in the rear yeah and that's how the yamaha probably works the best where i think some riders like the bike a little low in the rear and yeah. the yamaha doesn't like that yeah is it a bit of a bad look for the factory team over there for years i just feel like star just they can you know, they just seem to have a little bit more freedom than do things. Than, yeah. than the That's factory did. And then, uh, you know, Tomac is tight with Gilly. Yep. Gilly had a lot of great ideas on setting the bike up. Those two seem to work well together. Uh, the 250 team strong. He's happier than ever. He is happier. Like, there's there's no doubt about that. Like, right. it's, I think what you see on TV, like I saw him in the tunnel after Detroit or Minneapolis. I can't remember which one. And just said, you know, like, good job. Like, yeah. It's just cool to see regardless yeah. of what side you're on. And he, you're like, like, hey, my you, guy's coming for you, but good job for now. <laughs> yeah. But we'll get you. Eventually, yeah, we're coming. We're coming. But also, like, you know, yeah. and so, and he was just genuinely happy. He's like, Dude, I'm just having a good time. And he, like that, what you're seeing on TV is legitimately, that's how he feels. He's a dad. He's 29. 
It's going to win a Supercross title. You know, this, this big risk that he took. Like, he didn't get paid more money from Yamaha and Star. Like, that I, wasn't I was surprised. It. Like, I didn't know that until a couple weeks ago. I think I heard it on, on, on the broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that he got paid more money. He got no. paid less money. I was yes. so surprised by Yeah. That. So, you know what I mean? Uh, it's incredible. It's good job for Star. Good job for Eli, Gilmore, everybody over there. Yeah. I don't yeah. even think he wanted to win this weekend. But he was like... Oh, okay. Like, I'll just do 20 minutes at the same speed. And then, oh, look, Jason went down. Thanks to Barsha. And Barsha faded. And Mookie was down. And, like, oh, I'll just take this. Cool. So, Roto, the coolest thing about this to me was Travis was like the perfect co host in for this. Because we've heard, right, over the last few years, different riders like, oh, the Yamaha is just not working in Supercross. Factory Yamaha is not figuring it out. And then we have Travis in there that says, like, well, like the other guys haven't been setting the bike up to work the way the bike really needs to work. I found that kind of interesting because that's not like, I don't feel like that's a, we talked about the bike setup, you know, or they've talked about the bike setup on the Yamaha's before, but hearing it the way Travis kind of laid it out was, I think that's the first time I've heard that. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely neat to have the, because he is, you know, not factory Yamaha doesn't exist anymore, but he's probably the closest we'll get a quote from somebody that's on that side of it. So to hear that his take about how the Yamaha should be set up was definitely spot on. Yeah, I liked it. I think it worked out really well, and I doubt that was like a planned thing. Uh, but Trent, the other thing was I did not realize, and maybe I had heard this in the past, but I didn't realize either that Eli took less money. Yeah, well, we when we were sort of finding out about the information coming through and you know that the rumor mill started that he was going to Yamaha, like, you, know, you had to think that it wasn't going to be for the same money. And, um, you know, the Stars got a pretty big team. I mean, they've invested a lot into Ferrandez. So, um, you know, the, the rumor mill was that he probably wasn't going to, but it never really got confirmed till later on. Yeah. And now it's obviously, but, you know, public knowledge right now. But, yeah, I mean, he we've spoken about this a lot. He's, you know, he is a better, a better version of Eli Tomac. Uh, it is very convenient that you have a Yamaha guy sitting in studio <laughs> talking about it. Right. Like the first statement where yeah. Steve's like, it's just a Yamaha. Yep. Okay. Moving on. Yeah. And to both of you, can we agree, maybe spread it throughout the media world that, okay, we know Eli's happier. We can stop talking about it. Like, okay, it's enough. I agree. Let's, let's move on. Anybody, either one of you just, yeah. Like, I'll go. I'll yeah. Go that, yeah. <laughs> Roto. Yeah, yeah, I don't we don't need to hear it every week. <laughs> That's exactly we, we see it. Yeah. We've been watching it for eleven weeks. We don't need to talk about it. Thank you. All right. It's it's done then. It's locked in. The rest of the media we know everybody else listens to this show, so they'll they'll follow suit. We're good. Uh <laughs> the the Yamaha LCQ race got brought up in the early there during the general discussion and Will and Travis say they want to be wild cards which I think that'd be pretty cool. Doubt either one of them has an active Supercross license. Yeah, but maybe we could, you know, I mean why, I don't know. Why fell just let it go. Like it, it's no big deal. It's an exhibition race. Let it happen. But the idea of Freezy Joker Lane came up, and I love that, Roto. Like, I think I really like the joke of Freezy just roaming the infield. That was good, but like a Joker Lane where, you know, I don't know, it's six laps, right? So once in six laps, you got to take the Joker Lane, and Freezy's going to jump in somewhere in that lane, and he might slam you. Yeah, I love the idea that it's like um, it's like Legends of the Hidden Temple or something, where like the dude would just jump out of the wall and just yeah. tackle one of the kids. It's like that, but 
for adults on dirt bikes. I do feel a little bad for Vince because he's done a really good job moving past it, but like the media is not letting him move past <laughs> move past his earlier excursions this year. But I that do so I do feel for him, but uh, but yeah, it was hilarious. I think it's kind of like the A Ray sketchy thing. Like just own it and roll with it. Like it's. We're all talking about it. it. You're sort of the butt of jokes at times, but if you just just accept it and roll with it, then it, I think it loses some of its steam because it, it's not going to go away. I mean, it's just not. So, uh, yeah. but yeah. And how about this? So, Roto, I, we're going to talk about you and your involvement with Pulp and how long you've been listening in a little bit. But in as long as you've been a Pulp fan and known about Mathis, would you have ever believed Feld would give him his own race? Like he has come. <laughs> a long way with how Feld reacts to him. I mean, absolutely not. Like it's not even just what Feld reacts to Steve. It's just it, Feld giving that to anybody feels well, ridiculous. Too. Yeah. And it being Steve of all the people. <laughs> like I just, when he was, when he said it, obviously jokingly, when he was like, you know, petting his cat going into Prater's office, like it was all just a, <laughs> it was all just a meme at that point. And yeah. Then, yeah. When he was like, yeah, they're actually giving me the race. It's like, there's literally no way they're actually giving you a race. And then here it is. So, yeah, I didn't like, I kind of like, I didn't believe it when he first said it at first either. Trent, it's amazing. Like, I mean, it won't be long. And I feel like somehow it's going to be like failed entertainment, Steve Mathis, you know, or, or maybe there'll be like the, the, you know, there used to be the Davy Coombs Memorial race or whatever. They're going to be the Steve Mathis, <laughs> the Steve Mathis round seven. Yeah. I mean, the, the the one thing that you got to look at is yeah you know the history of what he's where he's been with Feld and where he's at now and that but you also got to look at it from Feld's point of view like he's bringing in what how, how much is he looking to bring in this year Doctor like seventy eighty k or something like that in in prize money for these privateers like and without those guys the field's empty yeah so like. He's trying to support the rest of these guys getting to the races and giving them some money so they can come back the following year and keep the grids full and keep the you know the racing entertaining. Because I mean, the last couple of weeks, the riders have caused some you know some interesting racing maneuvers. So as much as you want to get rid of them, but they're still a part of the show. So I mean, I think Feld's starting to see the value in what Steve's doing for these privateers and are actually wanting to jump on board and help him grow that and make that into something bigger. Yeah, good point. I think you're right. And speaking of what Steve does for the privateers, we'll do a little self-promotion here, but look for a privateer profile on Racer X Online on Steve Mathis, written by yours truly, any day now. That'll be coming out. Got some good quotes from some of the writers, so yeah, keep keep an eye out for that. Because Steve is, is like, like, you can bust balls, you can talk shit on him if you aren't a fan of him, but you cannot deny what he does for privateers. He he owes He's owed... Uh, congratulations or thank yous, you know, respect for that. So yeah, fair enough. Um, something else I was thinking of that was kind of cool was when Travis or interesting was Travis Preston talking about what has impressed with the way the track's breaking down. It's super ruddy. And these guys, these current riders just don't slow down. They're charging so hard. Uh, he kind of made the joke like 27 laps. I'd get dizzy Roto, but it, it, it's really interesting to hear a guy of his ability, his talent, 125 champion and then but he's so impressed with the current group the current current talent pool i think it really even adds more appreciation to what we're seeing week in and week out in this current state of racing 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's one thing that we as a fan base do a really job, a really bad job separating, you know, respecting how good these guys are today. That's dark side, everybody. The man, the man, right? Yep. Like, yeah, he's the man. He the, man. the man. He's the man. All right, we had a little bit of sound issue there with Roto, but I think we got it fixed. So if you try to get back into what you were saying. Um, we're talking about the, the, the current riders and TP being impressed. Oh, yeah. So I, I think that's just a big testament. To the, you know, I don't mean to diminish the accolades of, like, the former riders, but the sport, the equipment, the training, everything has ramped up so much in the last 10 or 15 years that it's almost like, you know, it's not really apples to apples to compare what the guys are doing today. Yeah, that's true. To what, to what, like, you know, Preston, you know, he was kind of on that tail end of like, you know, the nineties, everybody just, you know, go race and then slam beers. They didn't do that <laughs> in Preston's day, but nobody was taking it. You know, there wasn't, there weren't camps like Alden's camp of, you know, six guys training at that high of a level. Like these guys are monsters. Yeah, it has, uh, there's been a big evolution so, yeah, it has changed things, but it, I, th- I think it's cool to hear these guys talk about how impressed they are. You know, there's there's a few of those guys, riders, Chad Reed, that, you know, might be like, eh, you know, think he still could be better than the current guys, or they were, you know, things were harder in his day. It, it maybe in some aspects things were more difficult, riding on two strokes in the early days or whatever, of, you know, but... Yeah, I think every every in every sport, every line of you know entertainment, whatever, there's progression, and I think that yeah, we've progressed to an insane spot in the sport. Uh, Trent, Will Hahn talked you know again talking on the track conditions. He sort of said, "Hey, the, the 27 laps, that's why the track is the way it is, right? That's the it, it, the track is that condition because of the 27 laps." And I agree. They kind of talked on it. Like, I I think Steve asked, it might have been the review show, but maybe it was Monday. Like, should we set a, a limit to how many laps are? Like, the, we got the 20 plus one, but but no more than 26 laps or something. Do you feel like that should be something we would they touch on? Because I agree with Steve on that. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, I mean, ultimately changing the tracks a little bit to slow them down a touch and make them, you know, longer lap times is the other way. Because, I mean, you know, Steve's rant to start the whole 20 plus one thing was we only seen the riders for 15 to 17 minutes total for the night, you know, and now, now it's too much. And yeah, I think it's more of a, you know, it'd be cool to see them try and do more with the tracks to kind of slow them up a bit and make the lap time longer that way than, than, you know, shortening the racing again. So we again, lose time seeing the, the best in the world right around the track. So yeah, there's, there's got to, you know, they've got to look at some way of doing it because yeah, like, 27 laps the last two weekends having with 27, 28 laps have been, you know, sort of out of control. And I think a lot of these mistakes late in the racing has come from just the sheer amount of the laps these guys are doing. And as much as TP jokes, like they're probably getting a little dizzy and a little like, yeah. you know, if you do a long moto on a short track, you start just, your mind wanders because you've been over that same section so many times. So, um, yeah, something like that I think they need to look into and, Maybe add a bit more to the tracks to make them a little longer, or, or yeah, just cap the lap so these guys are you know not riding on tracks that are just absolutely rooted by the weekend. Yeah, yeah, and I was going to bring that up later, like when I get to my call, but we can touch on it now. Like you know, I did question it, guys. At like watching Detroit again, I, I think I mentioned I've never been to that stadium, but on TV, 
it looked like it had a massive floor. Like, I mean, I know they're all football stadiums that we're in right now, but like you go to Cowboy Stadium and their floor is basically the size of the field, a small sideline. Some of these stadiums have bigger sidelines, longer end zone areas. And Detroit looked like it was huge, but then you're still getting these, you know, low, uh, mid 40 second lap times or whatever. And it probably is quantity of dirt, right? That's what Steve kind of touched on. And and I don't know if ev- maybe every stadium has, let's just say, 100 yards of dirt, right? I don't know if, or maybe, I don't know if some stadiums have more dirt, but the, the football stadiums clearly need more dirt. And like, yeah, maybe the wall jumps kind of suck, but you got to figure out some way, maybe make the jumps peakier so there's more technique. I don't know what the answer is, but the... Low, or what's lower 50 second lap times, low anything under 50 seconds is ridiculous, Roto. It's just, it's almost not even fun to watch. Like Saturday night, I was like, holy shit, is this thing ever going to end? Yeah, I thought it was interesting that everybody on Twitter has wanted to bring up what's a way to make, you know, to black flagging lappers and blah, blah, uh-huh. blah, 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 which we'll probably get into later. But it's, but it all starts at we could just make the tracks better. Yes. If we just make tracks better, we don't even have to worry about dudes going two laps down. And somebody had a good a good idea of why don't we do the triple crown rounds at the small stadium. I saw that. Because it's roughly the same amount of laps, but that way you're not doing – you know, you're not doing 27 laps. I mean, you're doing, you know, what, 18 laps three times, but you're not doing 27. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that idea. Yeah, the Detroit and Indy are the, the only two stadiums that I've been to for Supercross, but as football stadiums, they are relatively small stadiums. So they might the floor might just look bigger because the rest of the stuff isn't really that impressive. Maybe that's what it was. I, I just remember on Race Day Live, I thought, wow, that looks like a big floor that's not being utilized enough. Uh, and, and I'm sure they, you know, Dirtworks has, there's a reason for it. Like, they're not just like, oh, screw it. We don't care. There's a reason. And in my opinion, as we kind of touched on, it's probably most likely lack of dirt. Dirt's very expensive. And I'm sure Feld could afford to put more dirt in, but that's probably the bottom line. Um, and yeah, I guess I should have, I should have texted Sean Brennan and asked that, but I didn't. So let's move on to Justin Brayton instead. Uh, he came on to discuss his last year in professional Supercross. We heard everything he had to say. We're going to listen to some audio in a second. But I'm going to ask each of you, Trent, do you think he does another AMA Supercross at some point, whether it's just a one-off? You, you know, He's already talking about, like, I'm going to ride some. I'm going to you know, try World Supercross. I'm going to do these one-off events here and there. He's probably going to stay in fairly decent shape. Do we see him ever again at AMA Supercross? Uh, maybe uh, I, I don't, maybe. I don't want to go all in. I'm going to sit on the fence. I mean, all right, JT. It's, it's one of those, it's one of those things. I say. It's one of those things where it, he's going to stay, he's going to stay in shape. But you know, when you do quit racing and you kind of enjoy the, you know, look at Chad, you know, enjoy the lifestyle a little bit more and then realize, okay, maybe I'm not in the shape I thought I was going to be in, you know, or yeah. these guys get better and better each year too. Like you don't want to go out and come back in, in six to eight months and go and not even qualify either. Like, that's another thing that he's got to think about. So um, I don't think he's going to fall that far. But, I mean, you get out on top, you know, you just do the fun stuff on the side and leave the professional racing to the guys that are going to be doing it week in, week out. And, and you know, you get out scot-free. That, that's sort of how I look at it. I, I think it's more of a fan of JB. I kind of want him to be 
just done and be at the races on a different capacity. Because, I mean, dude, if he can get in the booth with, uh, you know, on race day live and stuff, I like to see him there doing that stuff more than actually being out on the track because he's really knowledgeable when it comes to talking on race day live. Okay. I don't have a problem with that answer. Uh, how about you, Roto? Where you fall? I don't think we see him race again. Um, not in the States. I just think that at his age and, you know, his priorities and stuff, it's probably best to just do a kind of clean cut rather than have that. But if we do see him, I mean, you know, if one of Genova's guys goes down, he's got to be the first one to get the phone call, right? That's what I was thinking. Like, yeah. you know, like, oh, come on, we'll pay you a lot of money to do a few rounds, fill in. We got to have a bike out there. That's kind of where my mind was going. Like, yeah, you know, we don't expect you to get top, you know, 10, just, just have a bike on the track. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, all right, well, we'll see what happens. We never know. These guys, you know, they, 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 Trent, you touched on it. They, they get away from racing and then they get out of race shape a little bit, but the itch is still there. And he talked about that itch. Well, let's actually listen to what he had to say. So your, your final year of Supercross, and then, I mean, 100% chance we see you at World Supercross in, in this year, in the fall? <laughs> I mean, is it 100? Is it 99? I think this fall there's a, there's a really, really good chance. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I've done that program for how long now? You know, I mean, me and Will raced in Australia. Was that 2016? Will, you're over yeah. there? Yeah. End of 16. So I've kind of done that, you know, Australia, Europe, kind of put together my own little world supercross program for yeah. a long time now. So yeah, it would make a ton of sense for me this year, next year. You know, I, I don't know for sure. We'll just have to see the issue would be the travel and being away so much. And, and then, yeah, I mean, okay. I'm stepping away because I'm, I'm ready to step away, right? Like to that highest level, the competition and the travel and the training it takes. And, We'll just have to see where the venues are and right. if it makes some sense and how bad I'm itching to get back at it. And All right, Trent, so I want to go to you first because you and Nick mm. have some involvement with this World Supercross that's coming up. Uh, he had mentioned you know, I, the Australian series. At some point, that's becoming part of World Supercross, right? But is that this year or is that going to be next year? Uh, I think that one of the rounds could coincide with it they're not 100 percent set on okay. that yet but there will be a round of world supercross in australia we're pretty pretty certain on that uh but if it's part of the australian championship or not will be different because obviously the structure is different okay. the world supercross having to buy into the you know buy into the you know the charter like the nascar charter system that's what world supercross is running with so it's a little sure. different setup so uh, there will be a round i'm pretty certain in australia but it won't be part of the australian championship so all right, well, um, I yeah, I mean, he, he, yeah, well, he's talking about doing it. The only thing is, as I said, with that charter system, he's going to have to find a team that is going to put him on because that's the whole World Supercross setup. So uh, more, it's less of like what he's had to deal with in the past where, it's, you know, they pay him, you know, Australian Supercross pay him to come out and Uri pay him to ride for him and that sort of stuff. He's got to actually find a team that are going to back him for the, the five rounds they're going to do this year. I don't think that would be a problem, Trent. No, I don't think so either, but it's, it, you know, it, it, it is going to be something that he has, he has to go negotiate. He doesn't have the same, I mean, I guess contacts is what he's used to do the, his right. world, his quote unquote world supercross he set up for himself. Um, he's going to have to go and find whoever's going to charter one of these teams and, and get himself on there, which, um, yeah, there's a lot of people that are putting their hands up for it, but I mean, JB's probably going to be on top of a lot of that list. 
I would think so. Roto, I, I wasn't super excited about this World Supercross thing when it first got mentioned because I just figured it was going to be one of those things that falls by the wayside. But, yeah, it's, it's starting to get exciting. Yeah, I think they can do a lot of cool stuff with yep. it. Um, we've talked about a little bit, you know, F1 kind of doing that format of having, you know, two riders per team. You could even do a legitimate, you know, like, constructors championship, things like that. And it just wouldn't work in our Supercross. It would just be way too many hoops to jump through. But if they if they want to literally tweak, you know, the entire format from what we have, I think it could work. But if they try to do what we do, it's it's it won't. It'll just be what we do, but worse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, speaking of stories, Roto, how about TP kind of forgetting that he was teammates with Justin Brayton and then like and then blaming Justin Brayton for ending his career when JB filled in at Factory Connection? Like, it's so funny what these riders forget with their own careers, but then they remember all these crazy stories. Like, it's just good, good stories. And the MDK KTM story, it's all good stuff. Yeah, I guess they they remember the parts that they want to remember, the good <laughs> yeah. parts, but there's some that they're like, yeah, I don't want to remember the details of that, so I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't know that story at all. Like, either one of those stories, you know, this is stuff I didn't know about, and I kind of, if I'm being honest, like the MDK KTM stuff, like I just, it, it wasn't on my radar, like in, in my memory bank, so when they started talking about it, it, it was a new story to me, so it, it was very as all these stories were Monday night, like really entertaining, and just, I was excited, I was sitting there listening to it. Yeah, it was a really it was a really good listen. Yeah. Both both of those guys talking was a good listen. Yeah, I feel like as I kind of mentioned it a little bit ago, Trent, like nobody's written a book, and I, I wish like some of these guys could easily just. I would read. I like to read anyway. So like, if somebody, you know, Will Hahn was to write a book on the teams and you know the, just stories of what his career, I, I think that would be a damn good read. Yeah. 100%. Like these guys have a lot of, you know, a lot of ups and downs in their career. Like Will Hahn's one of them, you know, with, with all the injuries that he had and, and the, the, the struggles he had in the back end of his career and, you know, sort of the way he ended his career as well. Like he'd be interested to get all these stories. And that's kind of, I guess, what, what Steve does with these shows is yeah. try to get those stories to people, you know, that like to listen. I mean, I learned a lot more about the, the late 80s, early 90s of the sport from listening to these different interviews he's done throughout the years and you know those long form podcasts that he does like you know I wasn't even born in the late 80s so <laughs> no chance I don't even know any of it but I love that era of the sport from listening to these things and going doing research off the back of the stories he writes and he you know he does a podcast on that's the stuff that you you want to hear and that's what Steve does well I think he gives us a lot of history of the sport that we can you know and the younger generations can learn from throughout the next you know years to come. Yeah, absolutely. You know, even in that time frame, like if, whether it be the 80s or 90s, you only heard the stories that were printed in the magazine. So really, that's what you got. You read the magazine and you got what they wanted to tell you about. Now, 15, 20 years later, whatever these or, you know, 10 years later, depending on who we're talking about, these riders, they don't care. They're not that worried about what the their old sponsor said, unless they're Ryan Dungey. They don't. So they're willing to come in and say, like, you know, the, the rental car stories or the or the hotel stories or the travel stories or, or the, you know, the stuff that happened in the pits with the arguments later, like we want to hear all that. And you're right, Trent, like Steve does get into a lot of that stuff on the different podcasts and, and there's really no other place we'd ever hear that. A lot of these writers, even you've heard certain guys like they don't, nobody cares about me anymore. Or nobody cares about these stories, but we do. And Steve knows that Roto and he gets these stories again, 
that just you think about Holly, right? How many stories did Holly have <laughs> when he was in a few weeks ago? Where would you, where else will we ever hear that? Yeah. And like, we live in the age of influence right now where that, that's exactly what we want to hear. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't, I can find so much about the race. I don't need, I don't need any more of that, but that, that other stuff that, uh, you know, almost world building from these guys past. That's what I want to hear. That's why I think that's what Steve really, you know, he just really crushes it with yeah. the format. Absolutely. And speaking to Justin Brayton, Roto, as a guest, like he's a great person. He's just a great guy. Like uh, Trent talked about, right? Really, really knowledgeable. Is he a guy that, like, when you think of top guests, does he does he make your top ten? I think he's close, but I don't I don't know. These in my top. Yeah. For me, he's not in my top ten. But he he's somebody that I get excited about hearing because I know he's going to be good. Yeah, like if you said what's your top ten without prompting, he probably wouldn't be on there. Yeah. But if you said what about JB, then I then I'd probably maybe find a way to weasel him in because okay. like, it's probably right on the cusp. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Trent, the old, one thing I don't know about with Justin was his comment on it's better to be knocked out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I felt about that. I was like, eh. I mean, he wasn't giving medical advice or anything, but I I don't know how accurate that was. Well, he said he got told by a doctor. He did by, say that. You know, they, yeah, so, I mean, they've obviously done the studies. Uh, yeah, that was an interesting interesting take. I mean, I have heard that somewhere else before, but for him to come out and say it, and I mean, it's from a, a guy who deals with, obviously, the you know, the football team and the amount of head knocks those guys get. And, you know, I mean, there must be some research behind yeah. it. And he said he felt, you know, good to go. Like, when he, you know, was was... Back on Monday, you felt good and ready to go right, you know, riding again. So, uh, a very interesting take that one for sure. Yeah, it kind of made me feel like with the whole the whole reset, like the the restart of your computer, your brain. I kind of thought, well, damn, maybe I need to knock myself out and get a reset. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I could use a reboot. Uh, all right. So Steve also asked, especially with the, the two guests in studio, Will and Travis, and then Justin on the line. This is a perfect question. Do you guys have any regrets about walking away? Let's listen. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but both of you two, I have no regrets about walking away. I do. Do you? Yeah, I do. I was making some good money for a couple years, and then, man, it was a huge pay cut. Yep. But actually, it wasn't that big of a pay cut. You know, yeah. it, you know, it's. I was still making really good money, just yeah, not look, compared to what right, I right, right, like you know? for a real person. Like so, for a real I, life, I think yeah. I had too much pride. I just think yeah. I should have sucked it up. I think. How I, old were you? Uh, Thirty, maybe thirty-one. Oh, okay, but I still feel like I had more in the tank. So, right. do I wish I could have raced longer and maybe had less injuries? Yeah, of course I do. Right. But I think the way I ended it in Australia, I think really helped me walk away from it. I think put me back on the track walking off in Atlanta. That being right. my last race, yeah. leaving Factory Cowie, hurt shoulder, all that. Right. I think it would have made it a lot more tough. Like that being my last time I raced professionally. Right. Travis, like Justin's thirty-eight. You know. He's squeezing everything he can out of a of a great career. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I love it. Like he, you know, he's going yeah. hard too. Right. He's he's giving everything he has all yeah. the way till the end, and right. then he he knows when to say when. That's what the World Supercross thing will be too. Is like, I mean, it it'll still be nice to be able to scratch that itch. You know, like I'm sure when I'm done at Salt Lake, I'll take you know a couple months off and be like, man, all right, where, where's the next race? Or man, I, I want to get some new gear and get you know a fresh helmet painted up and. You know, like it's it's an addiction you know even like the the traveling is addicting and the training and the process like that's 
you know, I think we all joke around about trust the process and all that, but that is so fun being in the trenches at the test track and training and all the road bike miles and all the gym work. Like that's what I'm going to miss the most, you know, go do five races or six races. Like that's sustainable. I can still do that at 38 or even 40. I I really believe I can do that because I'll still keep myself in shape and, uh, the first things first, the, the, I, I'm always amazed at the guys that like the gym workouts. I'm like, that sounds terrible. That's the worst part. I, I'm out on that. I'd be so happy to not have to do that anymore. But it was really interesting that, you know, we had one guy that did have some regrets. Will kind of was like, no, nah, not really, not too much. You know, he felt like he went out in the right way. And then we've got JB who's working on going out and feels like he's not going to have any regrets. Uh, kind of a, Roto, it's just, you never know, I guess, but I feel like, most of these guys probably at some point down the road are going to be like, man, I, maybe I had a little bit left. Did I, did I leave too early? Yeah, for sure. And I think that, I think it all just depends on what part of your, where you are at life in your life, you know, and like with JB being older and again, kind of shifting into more of a family role, I feel like he probably doesn't have as many regrets yeah, where, true. you know, where Will was in his life and also having a lot of unfulfilled things, but you know, JB won, won a race when he already probably accepted he was never going to win. And he, and he did end up winning a race. So I feel like he'll be the one guy of anybody that he'll be able, I feel like when he's ready to to hang it up, he will go out as clean as anybody could. Yeah. yeah, You made a really good point with that. And you're probably right. I I thought it was really a good, another good question from Steve that to get the different responses though. And before I go to you, Trent, Roto, I know a lot of times you're on YouTube live watching. Were you watching during the JB segment? I was, but that was definitely one of the parts that I wasn't as in tune okay. to the broadcast. I watched it more this morning. Trey, I don't know. You you usually probably don't get to watch live, right? Because it's like the middle of the night there? Or what, what's... Yeah, I don't know. Middle, middle of the day. Oh, it's the middle of the day. Okay. So well, the reason I'm bringing this up was you could hear, just listen to the audio... Like the the relationship, the friendship between these four guys, the respect. But if you watch that segment, like Steve was laughing so much at the little jabs and the little stories, kind of like Will Hahn talked about battling with JB Outdoors. You know, every round at one, for twentieth when they you know one year, and like he's just laughing and cracking up. And I don't know if you could hear that in just the audio. Like if you're just listening to the podcast, but when you're watching live on YouTube, Roto, you get so much more. I talk about this all the time, but like it made me laugh and it made me feel the connection between those guys, you know, and, and I appreciated that. Yeah, 100%. If you can watch it, you should absolutely watch it. It's almost always, you know, it's just so much better being able to see their faces and see how they're reacting. And, you know, sometimes they'll be they'll be physically reacting because they don't want to talk over the guy yeah. that, that currently has the floor. So yeah, like if you, if you can, it's definitely worth watching for that extra little bit of like storytelling. Absolutely. Uh, Guts racing guys was established in 1990 as a premier off highway seat manufacturing company offering high performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross and off-road competition. Guts racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career from Steve Lampson and Jeremy McGrath in the nineties to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the two thousands and today with teams like Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's style performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. You just really don't get any better than Andy Gregg. Good dude. Appreciate him sponsoring this wrap-up show and Pulp Um, Before we go any further, Roto, since this is your first time, 
give us a little bit of background on yourself, man. Like, uh, how, you know, how'd you discover Pulp? How'd you get involved? I know you've been on the fantasy show and you've been helping with some website stuff, I think, with Steve, maybe helping with the thumbnails. I mean, you've been doing a lot with, for Steve I, in the, uh, recently, but I don't know your background. So, how'd you discover it? How'd you get involved helping out? You know, that's honestly a really good question about when I started watching Pulp because I don't even have an answer for that. Um, probably 2018, I would say, is oh, when wow. I started really watching it. Okay. Um, After I, me. I took this weird kind of thing where my life just, I just got busy. So I, I, I followed the sport since I was a kid. I, you know, I, I grew up, I raced in the 90s. Um, I raced a lot of flat track and did like amateur nationals and stuff on flat track, but I raced a little bit of everything. But like in the mid 2000s, I kind of just didn't, or the mid 2010s, I didn't follow the sport as hard as I did. Like I kind of missed, like I still would watch the races and keep up with the results, but I didn't really like involve myself with it. If that yeah, makes sense. Been there. So I've, yep. I've been there for a few 20, years. 2017, one of my best friends had a kid. Um, I had moved away a little bit, and we just didn't really have a way to connect anymore. And we were kind of like, let's let's you know, like one of us will drive to the other's house, we'll watch Supercross every saturday like well let's make it ritual to kind of get like get our get our friendship back going or whatever and that's what really got me back into the sport heavily is that you know and then obviously um i i love i love fantasy sports in general and that first year we got some with some other buddies and we made our own like homebrew fantasy and it was fun but then i think steve brought out was it 2018 was the first year of paul or was it 2019 a fantasy you mean yeah, fantasy. Uh, yeah, I think it was eighteen. I think it was eighteen. Yeah, and and I had just started really watching the show like religiously right there, where it was kind of my you know I I would listen to it every Tuesday. I guess we didn't watch; we listened back then, but listen to it every Tuesday mm-hmm. when I would when I would work. And then obviously, then they were like, "Hey, we're going to do fantasy," and I was like, "Oh man, you know, like that's that's right up my alley." So then I got more involved with it. And then when I started making the videos, I literally was trying to explain how Pulp Fantasy worked to somebody. And I was like, there's got to be a video explaining it, right? And there wasn't. There just wasn't a video. So I was like, well, I guess I'll make the video then. Because I, I know how to make video to a to an extent. Like, I'm much better now than my editing was then. But I was like, yeah, let's just do that. And then that's how um, – then I just got in contact with Marks and then eventually Steve. But, yeah, since I think October, I've been doing um, – if there's a short clip on the Pulp YouTube, that's me. I do the thumbnail and I clip it down. Kind of similar to what you do for this show. Just take the take the good bites out yeah. and then make it its own separate thing how to mu- kind of feed the algorithm. How much time a week would you say you put into that? Um probably about eight hours okay yeah that's about what it, that's about what it takes me to cut the audio and, and put this wrap up together it's probably eh, not maybe not that long maybe f- four or five hours for me to do what i do for to get this together steve told me the other night like we were t- talking he's like dude just stop using so much audio and i was like but that's like <laughs> the best part nobody wants to hear me talk <laughs> listen to the audio back is the best reference i, it's, I don't know i feel like that's what we need to do to make it good yeah, making stuff for Instagram's harder because YouTube a lot of times I can get away with of just cutting a fifteen minute interview, just snip it, yeah. throw it up with a thumbnail. But for Instagram, it's way harder. I got to try to fit it within a minute most mm. of the time, and then you have to do jump cut, jump cut, jump cut, and like do that. I spend way more time, and obviously, you know, Pulp doesn't even make any money on Instagram. Like you don't get ad revenue on that. Yeah, so it's hard to balance. But yeah, I would say I would say about eight hours probably is what I put into it a week. Okay, Trent, you got any questions for Roto? No, I mean, I, I've been, as I said, like when I got into fantasy, it's the same thing. How do I learn? I listen to the 
you know, Mathis' pod and kind of explained it. And then I went and watched Roto's video, which is very insightful. So right. I know firsthand of trying to find out how to do that. And that's sort of where I've, you know, obviously found out his stuff. And, and then, yeah, hearing you on the fantasy pods now a little bit has been, uh, been cool as well to have that different, uh, different guy in there that's not uh, just hating on riders the whole time actually giving some, giving some information is uh, a, a quiet change yeah yeah I, I appreciate it i actually read a book about fantasy baseball like 20 years ago and the guy hired two people he had never played before and he got invited to this really prestigious league um but anyway he hired one guy that was the feeler and one guy that was the stat guy and that was kind of what inspired it is they're the feeler. They, you know, Paul, JT, all of them, they know the insides where they're like, oh, well, home life. And he's got a girlfriend and, you know, like they, they know that kind of stuff. Right. But I'm like, there, there needs to be somebody that just like literally being like, dude, finish this top 15 every round. Like, here's the stats, you know, here's what happens kind of thing. So I'm yeah. glad it's appreciated. Yeah, it's cool. I, I really almost, I, well, I don't think I've ever listened to a fantasy pod until last week's. Uh, base and it's all time based. It's not because I don't care or like it, but I went ahead and listened to last week's, and I had the worst week I've ever had. I think in, in fantasy, not because of fantasy <laughs> pod, but because of I decided I was either going to win or I was getting probably nothing. I went, all right, you got a sixteen handicap. I'm picking you. And my two fifty, like I took Pierce, who I thought was not going to line up. I had hand. Um, I'm trying to. Uh, not Jace Owen. Uh, I don't remember the one. One of um, Jack Chambers and somebody else, and I like they were all going to LCQ, and I figured, well, Pierce is not going to start, and there's two other all stars in the in the LCQ, so I was like, okay, I'm getting zero. Like, there's not a chance in hell I'm getting anybody in, and I was I was fine with it. I pretty much gave up. I was just swinging for the fences, but I think. I came away with like 120 or 140 points for the week, for the, the weekend, and I didn't even care. I'm just whatever. I'm over it. I suck so bad this year. It, you know, it got Trent. You play right a little bit. Yeah, you got your own league. Yeah, yeah, you get the motor limited. Yeah. Okay, so it's something that like I hate it, but I love it, and I think that's normal for everybody, right? It's so freaking aggravating, but. I can't wait till next week. I cannot wait, even though it's I'm so angry. It's so weird how something could make you feel both those emotions, like literal hate, but also love. It's it's un- unreal. Yeah, I mean, it, it it also adds a different element. Like, I think if you watch it, watch your fantasy team during the main event, I think that takes away from your main event. Sort of, unless it's get, starting to get boring, in in which case then it is entertaining watching that. But I mean, it makes the heat races and LCQs more fun. I feel like when you're trying to get your team in and you're yeah. like yelling at the television. Uh, you know, I'm not going to name any riders, but there's one rider that made the main the class this week that I yelled at a couple of weeks ago for not making it in. <laughs> um, you know, like just those little things. I think it makes it more entertaining on just the heat races and the LCQs when they can kind of just be, yeah, I'm just watching this. Let's get to the main event. Pulp Fantasy actually makes it a little bit more exciting for those races, and then you get to sit back and watch the main event afterwards. Yeah, and this this last weekend, and this actually this upcoming weekend, I was at a concert, so like I turned off my notifications. I you know, and I I mean, I saw the numbers kept going up. You know, I, you know, hundreds of texts from group texts and stuff, and I was like, I can't look. It's going to ruin the show. 
I want to watch the concert. I don't want to know what my score is. And I was able to wait, man. I waited until Saturday morning to look at my score or Sunday morning. And, but it was tough. It was like the whole night I'm watching this band play, but I'm thinking like, how is my fantasy score going? How is my score? Like, am I winning? Cause I, I should be able to win. If everybody gets in all, everybody has to get in and I should be able to win. If you're in the main event, I'm going to go like, it's going to be unreal. My points. And it, it didn't work out. As I said, it was, it's crazy. I love fantasy though. I, I mean, it's, it's really good. Roto, you're doing a killer job with all the stuff you do. And I see the tweets and everything, you, you know, even though I don't follow all the stats of so much, I just kind of play it by feel, which is probably why I suck. Um, I guess I need to start reaching out to you. Yeah, absolutely. Message. <laughs> I have multiple writers that message me every Saturday because they don't, they obviously don't have a lot of time on Saturday yeah. to look at it. So yeah, they're open. Well, I'm going to hit you up this weekend. Well, let's get back into this show. Let's talk about Ryan Sipes, the jack of all trades. Uh, He's a really cool guy, just like most of these motor guys, right? Funny, interesting, loves the sport. Just a regular dude, man, kind of a country boy. He's cool when he comes on. He'll race almost anything. Unfortunately, he's injured right now. Out for six months. That sucks, Trent. Like, I feel super bad for the guy. Although his injury did kind of benefit Zacho because Zacho was riding his uh, flat track bike this last weekend, and Zacho seems to really like it, so he may he's like I may keep this thing for a little while. But uh, what do you think about Ryan, man? He's a good interview too. Yeah, I think last time I did a wrap up show, Ryan Sites was on. As oh, well. really? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty sure the last one I did, he was on. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, he's always good. He, you know, he's very open and honest. He. You could tell that he sounded a little bit hurt too. Like, I mean, he obviously mm-hmm. is hurt, but you could hear he was in a little bit of pain in his interview. It wasn't that sort of upbeat, um, you know, that we get from him. But yeah, I mean, that sucks that he's going to be out for, for that length of time. It's, you know, his way he does his career now is by writing different things and sitting on the sideline. But as he said, you know, it, it's been a long time. And, and fortunately in this sport, it, it's a, it's a part of it. You got to accept it. So, Seemed like he was in a pretty good place with it, but it does suck that he it sucks that he has to sit sit now for six months and get himself right. And a pelvis sounds like a horrible injury Oof. too, by the way. Yeah, I broke my pelvic bone once, but not like he did by any means. And it was it was one of the more painful injuries I've had. And Roto, the thing, one of the things he talked about with that injury was like you know he thought he got it fixed and then found out like it wasn't fixed and had to go back into surgery. And somebody else had that same thing happen recently, and I am completely blanking on who that person was. Somebody got injured. <sighs> Fuck, it's driving me crazy now. But, like, that that's the worst. To think, like, Jacob Hayes. Yep, mm-hmm. that's exactly mm-hmm. who it was, Jacob Hayes. To think, like, yeah. I'm about to get back on a bike in the middle of, oh, it's not, it's not right. Something's wrong. The doctor didn't do a good job or whatever the situation. Like, how gut-wrenching that must be. And it's doubly for Ryan because he has such a weird schedule of, you know, what type of events he races mm-hmm. and when the, you know, at least with, if you race just supercross and outdoors and stuff, you can be, all right, I'm going to miss the super, like, you know, Justin Cooper already knew he was going to miss supercross and was hopeful for outdoor. But for Ryan, like he does stuff sporadically. So he probably was already being like, cool, well, I can still catch this and I can still catch this and still catch this. And instead this, it looks probably 2022 is just going to be a wash. Yeah. You don't get to do much of anything. Yeah. I'm sure he, I don't know what his, you know, contract is with, you know, his sponsors, but I'm, I'm sure it's not like uh, like a Justin Cooper, you know, who's probably getting paid either way. You know, he's probably not making anywhere near the money he would be if he's not injured. Hopefully he is, but 
Kind of, yeah, it definitely sucks. But Steve, with with him being a, a former Supercross racer and still racing some Supercrosses, Steve brought up all the rough riding that we've seen this year. We've talked about it pretty much every week. Let's listen. Anyways, we've seen a little more rough riding this year, Sipes. Um, any reason for that? Like, I have a, I wrote this in my column a couple weeks ago. Like, I, so to me, the gap is closer. And if you got a chance to even make a pass, like, even if it's not quite there, but it's maybe there, I kind of got it. I don't know. You got to take it. Because that track was so easy to make a mistake on and you would lose two seconds, it would take you five laps to get those two seconds back. Yeah. Because, I mean, the leaders were every lap within a couple tenths. Right. It's not like you're going to make a second lap without that big mistake. Sure. So you take that, you have that window, you got to take it. I think that's the main reason. Um, everybody's, it's not like it used to be, like you're saying, when, like when Ricky and James, those couple of years, like, nope, they could start, they could crash in the first turn and yeah. crash again and still go one, two. So everybody kind of has that expectation of like, well, I'm working this hard, so I should be up there. So that's going to lead to some more, uh, I think, aggressive racing because everybody expects themselves to be in the front or be podium or whatever. And I think, too, that so many guys are riding together now. Uh, Roto, I'm going to go to you first on this one. It does seem like an excessive amount of quote-unquote rough riding has been going on. Uh, and, and Will's Will's reasoning makes sense, right? I guess you got to take the chance when you can. But some of those things, like we saw at Daytona, uh, you know, with with Jason and Mookie, that's not that's not that that's not that doesn't fit that that criteria. It's just fucking guys being boneheads. What do you think? Uh, I just really appreciated how honest Will was, especially mm-hmm. in like the opening segment when he just said, you know, um, I'm trying to think of how he said it. The 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 truth is, if Justin just hits less people, he doesn't get fined there. So, and I and I agree with that 100. percent That you know, I've I've had a lot of people in my YouTube video comment and be like, oh, but Anderson's done it, and why why isn't? And I'm like, because he's not on probation. Well, he is now, but like, <laughs> he you know he didn't break his probation. Yeah. Like Barsha, he Barsha is on a zero tolerance at this point in the season. Like. You know, was that move not not so bad? None of the moves this year have been that bad if all of them only happened once a year. Instead, we're getting them literally every week. Yeah. I, and when it's when it's when it's impacting the the title fight, like it's impacting race wins and title fights, like you don't want that. It's not good for the sport. I know the fans love it, but it's not good for the sport for like races and titles to be decided by that kind of writing, I guess. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, they said that, you know, like you never saw Ricky or well, you you wouldn't see Ryan Villapoto do this kind of some of these kind of things that are going on or Eli, you know, wouldn't really do these kind of things. And, and you do kind of have to and I think it might be in some of the audio we're going to play in a minute, but you do have to think about long term. Uh, Steve, well, first of all, Steve says it all the time, uh, you know, if you take somebody out this weekend, they're going to probably get you back. So it's going to affect you at some point. And if you want to win a championship, I think it was Travis that talked about it. And like I said, I'm sure we'll hear it here in a minute. I believe it's in one of my clips. But if you want to win a championship, you can't do stuff like that, Trent. It's it's just the the regressive ride. Like, I don't have a problem with banging bars and what I consider legitimate block passes. And I like you, you told me you want to get into this Jason Anderson Barsha thing with me, and we will here in a minute. But it has been an excessive, in my opinion, an excessive amount of uncalled for type decisions. Yeah, but I mean, you got to go with what 
you know, sort of Steve said at the start, like they're just so close that these guys are, you know, the the top 10 are like separated by what, point eight or something they were saying on Monday night. Like it's such a fine line between the, the top 10 riders that like they have to kind of get a little bit aggressive to make their way to the front. Otherwise they're going to be stuck there. I mean, it wasn't 12 months ago we were looking at Eli Tomac just being a seven place guy because he's not that kind of rider that pushes his way past the pack, you know, and if he didn't get a good start, he was kind of stuck there. And I think that's what they're all slowly figuring out is that we kind of got to get aggressive to get to the front. Otherwise we're just going to get stuck and, and there's no room to separate us all. Now we're all nearly equal on pace. So we've got to get a little aggressive. So I, I was with Steve on it. I, I think it's, just a necessary evil of the way that there's so much talent at the top end of this sport. Yeah, but you just mentioned Eli Tomac, and he doesn't ride like that, and he's leading the damn championship. He's got his stars figured out. That's his. <laughs> you get to get towards the front, you don't have to, and that's why I guess it's becoming start cross as well. Like if you get towards the front, you don't have to, but when you are buried in, you know, fifth. To, I mean, buried sounds bad for fifth, but when you are in fifth place and you believe you're supposed to win, but you've got Anderson. Eli, uh, we would throw Coop in there. You, you got these types of guys in front of you. you. I mean, they're the best in the sport. And and Chase, so Chase in there, they're the best in the sport. So you've got to have to push your way past them to get. You're not just going to straight up beat them on raw speed, are you? So no, not I necessarily. Mean, but and I don't. Yeah, I do not disagree with what you're saying. All right, let's save it for the Jason Barsha segment that's coming up. Before we get to that, <laughs> before we get to that. Will Hahn, I, I mentioned this, how great it is to have him back on. We talked about that. And Steve and Will are buddies. We, I, love, I love the middle finger flip-off game. I love it. I love hearing the different ways of trying to sneak up on guys. But Steve talked about Will being a little happier. Are you, are you happier at TLD than you were at Star? Uh, and without this sounding directly negative, yeah. But it's my role. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, right. it's not that anything derogatory towards star even i mean but you're not it, you're not a manager you're a trainer no, coach yeah, yeah. I, the, the toughest thing about being the manager is is when everything's great you don't really get the praise or a high five but if yeah. it's bad it's your fault period right right you know okay. and you're getting the calls you're answering this yeah. the sponsor or whatever's negative you right. know and putting the fire out being a team okay. manager is gotta be so tough like I, that's one job i do not envy I, those guys I'd rather so much credit. I'd rather yeah. do that than a mechanic, though. To be honest, uh, yeah, Roto. It just it, again, just as we touch on, great having him back. Happy seems like he, he's able to be more himself at TLD, kind of. And he kind of touched on the star thing, right? You you appreciated that discussion, why like why he wasn't able to come up pulp and all that. Just he's he's in a better place. Yeah, and, and Gascas has really built themselves as being the fun team. And I yeah. think that Will that, that just fits Will. Like I said, I know that he's a little bit more of a passive guy, but you know, he's full of charisma and he has great answers. And I'm just really glad that he's at a team that that doesn't just accept that, they embrace it. Right. Yeah. I was gonna this was something I was gonna touch on at the end of the show and just some general topics, but the the fun team, the gas gas, like the story of of Barsha hiding naked in a toolbox. Like, first of all, what fucking <laughs> toolbox was this? How big is this toolbox? But like that cracks me up because like I don't want to picture Justin Barsha naked in a toolbox, 
but I was, and I was just <laughs> laughing because I could see that shit eating grin of his, like, and him just trying not to be loud when whoever was opening the door or the dr- the drawer to the toolbox, and there's Joshua Barsha like naked, I guess, in a toolbox, like. That, I don't know, it sounds like, it sounds like they're having a hell of a lot of fun over there. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's probably also a good thing for Bosch's career as well as Will's, you know, like, yeah. Bosch is the same, he's that fun type of guy, and that, that story, like, that's the stuff you kind of remember of Bosch's personality <laughs> when he was younger, you know, the crazy stuff he used to get up to, so, I mean, it's it's it'd be cool to be a fly on the wall for some of the stuff that goes on there, and as Steve said, like, his fan TV stuff is is uh, kind of giving you a glimpse of that to what really goes on in that truck. And it, it seems like a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm not going to be at the press conference this week because I'll be at that concert. But if Barsha gets on the podium at Atlanta, I think I need to not even ask about the race. I want to ask him about being naked in a toolbox. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how Feld would feel about that question, but I mean, I'll be yeah. like, uh, you know, I heard rumors in the pits. You know, we'll, we'll just tie it in somehow where it was a rumor that we need to do, to hear more about. But yeah, I think that'd be – I may go down that road. You're getting, you're getting super edgy, Doc, uh, coming in with the hot questions in the press conferences now. Hey, do you like the one I asked Jet uh, about Honda? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't really give me a good answer, but yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was like, ooh, Doc, that. Hey, hate on that one. Trying try to, you know, trying to trying to stir the pot a little bit, get some good good stuff. You know, I don't care. I don't care how the bike handled. I want to know the. I want to know the juicy shit. Uh, Rhoda, you do got? you ride? Say what? Do you ride? Uh, not. I don't have a bike right now. Okay, but but yes, when the opportunity arrives, uh, uh, arises. Well, my guess would be, because you said you're busy, you don't like having to work on your bike, and I bet that you would not like having to change fork seals if you don't have to. Would that be a correct assumption? Yeah, I have never done that. I make somebody else do it every time. Well, to save that money on having somebody else do it, my suggestion would be to get you some seal savers, because for 22 years, seal savers offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal savers is the first and original fork seal protection that protects your fork seals from dirt, dust, rocks, sand, and even mud. Seal savers will always continue to innovate and improve, which is what led to the development of the easy-to-install zip-on seal savers. Not only do they have a full line of products for your motorcycle, but they also have products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers has essential products that are crucial for the performance of your side-by-side and mountain bike. Seal Savers is the ultimate protection. So, Roto, you can go to sealsavers.com and enter code PULP25 to save 25% if you get another bike and don't want to have to change your leaky fork seals because that sucks. You love to see it. All right. Jason Anderson, Justin Barsha, Trent. Let's listen to the audio first, then we'll discuss. Look, I thought it was fine. I don't know if it was smart by Barsha because if Jason Anderson is at all looking ahead and thinking about it, he just zooms by Barsha and Barsha loses time. He's got to know Barsha's behind him and we know Barsha's aggressive because guess who else would make that move to the inside? Jason Anderson. If you just look up and you just square it up a little bit, you go to the right or the left of Barsha who's going three miles an hour? I don't know. Like, I don't see the problem. There's hindsight to every situation, I feel like. Yep. And every view of this brings a different one. Yes, his angle was a lot more aggressive, but probably not more so than uh, Munoz in the LCQ. To win a championship, you have to ride a little... Like, you, you wouldn't see Tomac make that move. Maybe <laughs> if he would ride a little bit differently, man, he could be in the hunt for the championship. Do you feel, though, that Jason could have got out of that? Yeah. 
And I feel like if Jason just had a little foresight of who it was and looking ahead, you just pivot a foot each way or, or you know, a foot to your left and say three feet to your right, and you go right yeah. by him. It's kind of guilty by association with Barsha because that's his M.O. Jason kind of has to know, like, all right, I just passed – Barsha or, you know, a lap <laughs> right. or two before that, kind of a racing incident. They're going for the lead. He's way better now than he was back in the day when I raced him. Um, back then, he would take you out just for fun. I think now, like, he's way smarter about it. I don't even think that was that bad. I don't, I don't mind seeing Jason get taken down because he's done it to so many other people. I think as far back as he was, most people wouldn't have tried that move there, and that's what Jason Anderson was assuming, and that's why he came out of that corner as aggressively as he did. All right. So Trent, I'm going to go to you first and you be off air before we start recording. You brought up my take on this that I said last night on my show, not the pony pod, but the Moto X pod show. And, but I'm gonna let you go first. I do agree with Steve that Jason should have been a little more aware and been looking ahead. I see this all the time. I don't know how some of these supercross professional riders hit some of the things they hit because they're clearly not looking ahead. I mean, I never look ahead because I have zero talent. I have to look at my front wheel and make sure it's in the rut. These guys don't look ahead very well either. But anyway, with this topic, I'm going to let you go first, Trent. Where are you at? Because oh, I, I don't I, agree. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm interrupting you. I don't really agree with any of them that it's not that bad. I'm, I do not agree. I'm very much in the minority. Go ahead. No, nah, I, I, I'm with them. Uh, it's not... It's not that bad of a pass when you you take out who who the riders were. If you put different riders in place there and that happens, it, it, it's a different talking point altogether. But, like, yeah, Jason Anderson had to know who he was dealing with, and that's what Steve said. He has to know, and, I mean, not only Steve, TP said it as well. Like, he knows that Barsh is that guy there. And you kind of know he's going to be there, and you got to sort of check up and, and have a look when you go. Because that berm was a long way out, like, as... Uh, I can't remember who said on the show, but they said you had to kind of go out to the left to get to the berm yep. to come down that straight. So you know you're going out that far. Just a little look over your shoulder, you see Barsha jumping to the inside on that down ramp, and you know, okay, I know what's coming next. But, um, I mean, it might have just surprised him as well. But as I said, like, you, you kind of got to know what to expect there. And, I mean, J.A. would put himself in the same position as well if he was just a Barsha, and that's the other part of, of it where I can't be like it's, it's a horrible pass because, I mean, if J.A. had the opportunity, he'd probably put himself in where Barsha was sitting uh, and done the same thing if the, the roles are reversed. So. But that doesn't make it right just because the other guy would do it too. It's not as right. Like, there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. There's, they're racing for the win. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm I'm to keep to myself. First things first, they all made, like, the the way they broke it down, Roto, I appreciate it. Like it was, it was really good discussion. Even though I feel like none of them know what the fuck they're talking about. I don't. Nobody that night. They're all wrong. Nobody. <laughs> nobody understands Supercross clearly in racing. That was in that night. But well, uh, go ahead, Roto. I, I'm going to hold my tongue for another minute. Like, I'll let you go. Yeah, there's a bunch of amateurs in there talking about. I, not stuff even because about. I'm an amateur and I know better. Like I don't oh, yeah. know. Okay, I'm interrupting you. I'm sorry. If if I come <laughs> off that section. And the track turns 180 degrees back down the start, but I basically am headed towards the fucking starting gate because I don't feel like making a right hand turn. And that goes for McAdoo and for Barsha. It's not a good turn. It's a fucking turn. You have to yeah. turn. Yeah. 
Sorry. Go ahead. I, uh, yeah. So like, I'm not, I'm never one, I'm never one to victim blame, but I think it is, it is easy to say that, you know, Anderson should have known something like Anderson should have been more aware. Sure. It's easy fair. to say that. That's fair. It's true. It is true. He should have known better. We all saw that coming from a mile away, but that doesn't make it right. Just because he should have seen it doesn't make it right. I'm with you. I think that I don't think it was the most egregious move of the year or anything. No, but, I, I'm not but, saying that. But he literally, I, I for me, I always think that a, a pass should always be made with the intent of moving forward. And even what Steve said was, you know, Barsha's move was stupid because if Anderson doesn't hit him, Barsha loses five seconds. Right. And that literally means that that was, was a good going point too. With it was, yeah, but that literally means Barsha was going in with the sole intent to make contact with Anderson, and if he didn't, his race was ruined, and that, for me, makes it not a good pass. Yeah, Not necessarily that it's like a super dirty pass. It was just not a good move. He was banking his entire race on Anderson hitting him, and obviously when he threw the hand up, that was just... <laughs> yeah, that made no sense. That was yeah, just like... Uh, yeah. I think he was just like, see ya! Let's yeah, later. like I, 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 I know that he was trying to be like, "Oh, come on!" Yeah, or whatever. well, he did that in the like, press I, conference, right? That's what they. I didn't. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. but he always does. I, yeah. Okay, I'm not saying it was a dirty move at all. I just think it was a. I don't like it. I think if there's a turn, turn. Like if he had turned six feet ahead of time and tried to take his line away, and, and, and what I consider a block pass, I'm fine with that. I don't mind aggressive riding. I don't like that they're literally almost facing totally different directions. Yeah, if you look at the McAdoo screenshots, like, I mean, that dude was pointed 180 degrees different from Jet. Like, that's, he wasn't trying to turn. I don't like it. Maybe it's acceptable. Clearly, it's acceptable because I'm the only person I've heard that agrees with myself. So everybody's wrong, but it, it is what I just don't like it. Like, I fucking turn, dude. Just make the turn and take his, and, and, it's so early in that race too. Like pass him somewhere else. I don't know. I just, I don't like it. I don't like those type. You know, they kept saying there's, we've had this turn, this almost exact turn, this almost exact situation hundreds, if not whatever, well, hundreds of times throughout the history of the sport. Yes, we have. I still don't like it. I just, it's not, I don't enjoy that kind of racing. I just don't like it. I, I, I don't know. I've, I said that last night and I said it tonight way too many times. So we, we can agree to disagree, uh, Trent, but I just don't think it was necessary, man. I think it, it, he could have made the pass somewhere else in a different manner, and it would have been better racing, and you can still make block passes and it'd be okay. I just, that's not my style. I, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's more the, it's more your take on, like, you know, Macca doing that. Like, you go in the wrong direction. I mean, they're cutting down off that berm dark side and nearly clipping the inside tough block heading up the straight with their right foot peg. If you come straight ahead down the tough block on the triple, if you go straight ahead, you are nearly having a head-on with that rider because they're cutting so far off that berm back. They're nearly going up the track the wrong way. So in a picture, it's going to look pretty horrible because that dude's trying to hug tight on the tough block and the other dude's coming straight at him from a different direction. I think it's it's an angle thing, and I know what you're talking about, but th- that take where you're like, they're going the wrong way, they've got to turn, like, yeah, they're trying to turn, but the other rider is coming <laughs> Off a off a berm, nearly backwards up the triple. If you if you really slow down, I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, okay. so it's going to look way worse. <laughs> so well, I just didn't like that take where you were like throwing McAdoo and Munoz in there as well, and I was like, well, it's 
kind of the track, the way the track goes. Um, with the Barsha one, he was full intent of putting his uh, bike in front of or up against Anderson. Yeah, and Steve, I, I like that stuff. Yeah, and, <laughs> and Steve's take, like he could have went left, he could have went right. Yes, he could have yeah. if he'd been more aware. I think Barsha takes yeah. him down almost no matter what Jason does. So I don't 100%. think if Jason had been looking ahead and hit the brakes and hugged it to the right, I think I still think like Barsha just locks it up. He's he's taking Jason down. Uh, that's just yeah. Barsha, and then Barsha's like, "What?" Uh, all right. Next piece of audio I want to get to. Let's just go right into it. Jet is awesome, and Jet has won most of the races this year, and he's most likely he won the outdoor title last year. He's on his way to this indoor title, maybe another outdoor. Like, he is a great rider. But, Travis, and this is where you and I were discussing, like, I this what he's doing now doesn't mean much for 450s. Ivan ripped off five straight wins when he got on PC from Yamaha Troy. He was hauling ass. Hauling ass. If you had told me uh, uh, Ivan Tedesco would not win one 450 uh, Supercross career, I would have been like, what? We've seen many great 250 riders or 125 riders. And yes, Jet looks good and his trajectory looks fantastic, but calm down, everybody. Calm down. Not so much like how fast he goes. That's, you know, obviously really impressive. But to me, it's some of the racecraft and... The way he's able to learn mid-race, like he can absorb information, figure out why he's slower, what's holding him back, and apply it in the middle of a main event at 18. Like, that's that's not very common. Like, we just don't see that very often. I think about him at 25, and I'm like, good luck anybody beating that guy. Yeah, but, okay, I just looked up. Brian Swink was 19 when he won his first 250 Supercross title, 125. Okay. And if you... If you tell me that Jet Lawrence is going to develop some serious problems in his life well, that will well. significantly hold him back, then I would say yes, there's a, there, there's a likelihood that things won't develop for him. For him to get passed by McAdoo, realize why he was getting passed, and like, okay, well, you know what? I didn't want to blitz the whoops anymore, but I guess I have to. So I'll just pass him back in the whoops now. And then I will manage the track to a level to where I can get the win, and I don't need to go past that. That doesn't happen very often. Like you just see these guys that are just they're blazing fast, but they have so many missing aspects of the rest of their game where they can't put it all together. And they're like, okay, I don't have to win by 30 seconds. I just need to win by like two seconds. And Jet seems to get that. All right, Rod, I'm going to go to you first on this one. And this – particular piece of audio is interesting to me because Monday night when they're talking about it, like when I, I have, a, I literally have this old fashioned, I have a notebook and a pen and paper. And during the Monday night show, I'm writing little notes down of what they're talking about and timestamps. And if it's something I think I want to talk about on the wrap up show, I just put a little star by it. Man, I didn't even like, I barely took any notes on this top, that little subject at all. I was like, Oh, it's just them blowing jet again. I'm tired of hearing about it. And I barely took notice of it. And then I'm going back through my notes last night and I was like, let me listen to this again. And I was like, holy shit. Like this, like Steve's analysis of we've seen this before, right? Maybe we are too hyped. Like we see this Travis Pastrana is going to be the greatest writer of all time. He's going to break all the records or, or whoever it is. And, and then sometimes these guys just don't work out. Like I loved the re-listen, what he, his take was. And then JT breaking it down 
about his age and his race analysis. And like, man, like none of that even registered to me Monday night because I just was barely listening. And I just, I don't know. I thought it was a really interesting topic to both those guys giving great points. And we'll, we won't know until he goes 450. But like, it's really just good bench racing. And maybe my favorite topic of the night on the re-listen. Yeah, same. Cause I, I actually, um, clipped that one down for a YouTube, a YouTube segment that's going up tomorrow. And I, the, I think the weakest argument was the, the people Steve tried to compare jet to was, yeah, was not I've the been, greatest yeah. arguments. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, I know that all those guys were good, but you know, maybe, maybe jet is a generational talent. The reason that we say that, and I say we, I mean, not me literally, but, um, is because, we have not seen somebody be this good, this poised, this early, this young, but I agree with Steve, you know, this doesn't mean really anything. We've seen people come out and do this before, but I mean, but not this young. No, like it, it is going to be very interesting to watch. I think that's why everybody's really excited about them because we don't know where it's going to go. We really don't. Yeah. And of course we never do, but it, it really, it, it kind of changed my thought process about Jet, like I, I have nothing against Jet. It's just you know you do. I do kind of get as I talked about when you when something's shoved down your throat all the time, you kind of start to go, "Fuck, dude, I don't want to hear about it anymore." Like I'm over it. I don't even care if he's that good. But the way they broke it down kind of shifted my brain, th- my pro- thought process, Trent, on Jet and what's going on with him. And you know, I, I think you probably have an in- interesting perspective because you guys have seen him grow up, obviously living in Australia. And know probably a lot more about his, you know, the way he came up than we do even. But I don't know. It was just a really good topic. And yeah, the the, the comparison to Brian Swink and then JT going, if that's your benchmark, uh, okay. So, uh, but it was it was a good thing, man. I'm glad I went back and re listened to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm with Rado. I'm, I'm a little against like the the comparisons there. It's a little, yeah, a little bit of a stretch. I feel uh, to to put them guys in comparison to to Jeb, but. I, I am the same as you. Like we get it sort of all the time, and as Australians, we obviously get it a lot more because it's you know it's one of our guys, and it's you know the next the next the next chat is you know what we get down here a lot. But I I also was very surprised on the complete backflip that JT did. Like JT is going to war with Daniel Blair about generational talent and all this sort of stuff, and then for him to come out with you know saying what he was saying, I was like, wow, JT is like. That's a big backflip from him to, to kind of have that different view of it. And I guess it's, you know, from what he's seen this year and he's now changed his opinion, which is which is fine. But it, it was interesting to hear, like, JT flip and then as we get with Pulp, the typical JT and Steve battle of just absolutely anything. If they can have, a, a you know, an argument about something, they'll pick that right up and, and start having an argument. So it was interesting that, I mean, the, the context of the – the jet stuff was cool, but it was also again getting to see how opinions are getting changed throughout the season. And you know, and I mean, Steve was pretty high on him, and now he's doing you know these comparison stuff. Like the the way these guys think about the sport is why we kind of tune into pulp, I guess, each and every week. Yeah, that's a that that's another good point right there. Yeah, because yeah, it's just first of all, JT owned the the backtrack, right? He owned it. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, just Steve breaking it down, like the thought process of all through history, all these guys that, hey, this is the next big thing and it doesn't always work out. And, and of course, the the 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The the dynamic between Steve and JT almost almost always disagreeing, and I, I feel like some of that almost might be not scripted, but like J- Steve kind of knows where JT is on something, so he's going to work the other side a little bit to get that back and forth. Uh, yeah, good stuff. What do you guys think about the comment that JT or that Jet is ahead of Chase at this stage of his career, talent wise? Because Chase is that guy right now that we're like, wow, he might be the next guy. Uh, what do you think, Trent? Do you think Jet is above Chase at this stage where they are in their careers? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, pretty, kinda... pretty comfortably you can go with that, and that's and that's not a biased thing. I mean. As they broke it down on the show, I mean, Chase's first real title fight, he was kind of getting worked by Faulkner until Faulkner did his knee. And then the next year, he was kind of that guy, that, well, the guy the next year. But he still had a you know a really tough chase with uh, with Macleras. Yep. So where Jet is just kind of above these guys at the moment, and he's kind of the guy to beat, and they're, you know, he's what, three out of four or whatever they've done so far. Like, he's kind of working these guys. So I think he is ahead of Chase results-wise and where he is in that class. But, I mean, talent-wise, Chase is still a phenomenal talent. So it's going to be interesting when and if they battle each other on a 450, like, who's going to sort of adjust to that better. Yep, yep. Uh, Roto, is do you feel the same way? You agree? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, it's just... You know, like I, I've I've been a big Chase fan since his rookie season. Like I just even even his rookie year was he was just very poised, but he's never shown that raw. Well, in his two fifty career, I should say he never showed that raw speed of being the fastest guy out there. But Jet has shown that every yep. round, and I'm excited to see how he stacks up against Craig because that'll be the ultimate benchmark. That's gonna be good. We're coming, that's what two weeks I think for the the showdown. Um, all right, Logan Carnell. I didn't pull any audio from this. Here's what I want to say about Logan. Good kid. I like him a lot. I feel like we've become friends, even though Steve's kind of stolen from me for this particular week's episode. Uh, he got him ahead of me. I love this story, right? This I said this last night on my show. And a kid his age, in my mind, because I'm getting old, Steve's getting old, Like I think these kids like, man, these kids have no... Uh, no respect. They're not... You know, they don't, they don't have any work ethic. That's kind of like... You know, kids are just... Man, they're not going to... They're just going to give up, and and they kind of touched on. He could have, with the loss of the title sponsor, he could have just called it. Man, it's too much, too much work, too much stress, too difficult to make all these happens. But the kid went and got a box van, a budget box van. Him and Travis Del Nicky, old school privateer style, traveling the country in a box van. You know, <clears throat> goes to a dealership, his sponsor early before they open, and gets a, a bike. Thinking outside the box, Roto with with the title sponsor, which actually she came to him. That's a really cool story too. I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed hearing, you know, he didn't go in and bash on Moto Zone. He just talked about what he's doing now, the fan base, you know, getting bigger because of all this. Very positive story. Like it, it was something that could that was negative last week. He still got went in and got in the night show in Detroit or the main event in Detroit. Didn't let it get him down, and then, or uh, Indy, then Detroit, sorry. No, Detroit, then Indy. Anyway, you know what I'm trying to say. Like, it's just a good story, right? This kid could have just fallen apart, and he didn't. He fought through, 
And even though, like I said, I kind of wish he wasn't on Steve's show Monday night for selfish reasons, it's a it's just a good story. And I, I guess I am kind of glad that Steve shared that. Yeah, it's, you know, he obviously has had good and bad from this, you know, kind of falling into his lap because, like, he did admit that Hannah reached out to him, which mm-hmm. was really cool because he could have totally been like, oh, yeah, I masterminded the whole thing and make it look, you know, make him look really impressive. But, but yeah, he could have. Uh, and even even with how he's handled MotoZone, he, you know, it shows a lot of poise to, like, he just came out and said his piece and said, hey, you know, they kind of did me dirty, but he didn't say who. He could have at any of these points really, really slandered them through the mud, and, and he hasn't. He's definitely taken the high road, and I think that people have noticed that and respect it, and um, he's always been – He's been one of the nicest people to me personally out of everybody I've met through the industry. He's just a very respectable kid. Yep. A hundred percent. You're right. Like, and, and I told him this last night, like, uh, Trent, I, I, when I, even when I first met him, which was like San Diego, I think last year, uh, <clears throat> maybe it was the year before, might've been 19, but anyway, I was like, man, he's a cool kid. He seems cool. But you know, he, he kind of like, I was like, yeah, you just kind of look like this punk kid. that's just riding dirt bikes. Probably doesn't really try that hard doesn't put a lot of effort into it and i've come to realize that's not the case like the kid really does have a lot of heart a lot of passion and a lot of work ethic man and and i'm glad that steve is helping a kid out like that by promoting him putting him on the show letting him tell a story yeah yeah 100 percent right with with all of that like in you know when we were there in, in the states and we did pulp and he was on the wrap-up show the next week. He said nice things about us. We then went, you know, had a chat with him. And that was what gave us the confidence to go talk to him is like, oh, he actually knows who we are. But he was super respectful, you know, gave us the time, sort of, you know, gave us what was going on. And, you know, whenever we needed anything, just to reach out. Like, he's that type of kid. And as you said, like, he, he kind of looks like on the outside he doesn't work hard. But if you're making a main, you know, 450 race, you are working your backside off to get there. And, so you, you can't – I mean, it's the same as the JA perception that he doesn't work hard either. Like, these guys can have fun at a point, and, and that's their personality, but they still get in and do the work. And, and that's one thing that I guess this has opened up, this, you know, situation with Carnell, is it's opened up all of our eyes to the kind of work ethic he has and the, the love for the sport. Because as, as you, you mentioned, he could have just threw it all away and just been like, oh, I'm done with it. This is too hard. I'll, I'll just – go and get a job but no he put a bike together he put himself back on the track and made a main event so yep. it's, a, it's a very good story to come out of the yeah and i think we're not we're not done hearing from at hannah ray uh she's gonna be involved again this week with something that he, he says they're gonna push the limits he kind of mentioned it on monday and he mentioned it again last night and uh hannah actually i think she might have reached out to steve privately today to try to be a part of the Yamaha LCQ thing. She wants to do something for a whole shot. So Steve, you know, I, I don't know if I'm overstepping my bounds, breaking any embargoes, but uh, yeah, we're, I, I think we, so her, <laughs> not like you at all. Doc, yeah, uh, not like me at all. So her boyfriend is a moto guy and she knew about the show. So she actually does listen to some podcasts here and there. So she is involved a little bit with paying attention to the sport through her boyfriend. So yeah, that's cool. She wants to be a part of it and help out these guys. So hopefully, hopefully that'll work out. You may hear more about that if, if they work the details out. So that's cool. Uh, Michelin bicycle tires. You guys know all about the Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulp Mech show. And now I'm happy, as always, to promote uh, Michelin Bicycle for the wrap-up show. 
We saw Randy come in. <clears throat> he, we'll talk about that in a second. He kind of jumped in for just a few minutes after Will had talked about wanting some mountain bike tires. And somehow, magically, Randy Richards just appears and says, yeah, I'll take care of it. He's, he's in, he comes in studio for a few minutes because Michelin bicycle tires rule. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable B pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium-finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires, mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products, such as the mountain bike wild enduro tire, the E-Wild, the XCR competition, the power road for your road bikers. Man, they have it all. They have BMX tires for your 20-inch if you're racing BMX. Can't beat it. Michelin bicycle tires. Thank you so much, Randy. Few more things before we get done with this thing. The undercard Saturday night was a three man, no rules battle royal with Devin Raper, A Ray, and Bubba Polly. Let's listen. My front wheel misses the rut, but the rear wheel sort of catches the rut and it sort of drives me up and it just I lose all of my momentum going up the double and it shoots me a little bit sideways, and I case the jump and come kind of a, to a complete stop. And then by that point, Devin's just freaking in the back of me, right? Like, he lands on my back, and then that's whenever you see right. both of us just freaking. And then, obviously, Bubba Pauly, here he comes, just <laughs> wide open, straight into my nut sack. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> like, that's pretty much what I said. And right. Bubba, Bubba Pauly's like, dude, there's no flanders, there's no flanders. And then Devin's just freaking yelling in my face. I don't even know what he was saying. And then I obviously seen Red because he was yelling at me. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? You landed on my back. Why are you pissed at me? It's a good point. It's and a then, good point. Dude, you landed on my back. Why are you pissed at me? Honestly, it felt like a fucking mosh pit. I definitely had nowhere to go. He, you know, made the mistake, cross jumped. I landed into him. Um, and it's just like a perfect storm when we got up. He's thinking, you know, like what you said, I landed on him, but I had nowhere to go. I'm yeah. thinking, you just took us out. And then he elbowed me. I was like, this dude's going to take us out and then elbow me? Hell no. And then I just, yeah, I lost it. Trent, I'm going to you first. First of all, Steve loves this story. This may be his favorite moment of the 22 Supercross season, but when it's over, his laughing is the greatest thing to him, and it's pretty funny. But I, the only thing that would have made it better is if he had Bubba Polly on also. But I, I like yeah. I really liked hearing their different perspectives. I'm glad that they're cool now. They kind of got it all figured out. But, like, what the fuck, man? This only A-Ray. Yeah, yeah. when you look up and you see that it's A-Ray. And then, there's, I mean, the, the funniest part of the story that I guess is, keeps getting overlooked that we keep bringing up is the fact that Bubba Pauly, like, smokes his nutsack. Like, oh, yeah, I, that's in my notes. Gear, it, yeah, and he just, like, every time he's just like, yeah, he hit me in my nutsack. <laughs> he hit me in my nutsack. And I'm just like, My bike is kind of like my nuts. A-Ray, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, they beat up like my nuts. And I'm like, the amount of times that A-Ray said nuts in that segment, I'm losing it. It had nothing to do with even the story. It was just A-Ray saying nutsack all the time. I mean, I guess it's the nine-year-old child in me. But yeah, yeah. it was just funny how he just kept saying and everything was reverted back to that. And I mean, even the story about his, you know, telling Will and TP that he's got the swollen nuts. And all this, <laughs> like, like, just A-Ray being on the pole show is the funniest thing ever. And, I know he does a different podcast, so we're not allowed to talk about, but I feel when he's on pulp, it, we get more loose A-Ray, not, uh, 
Not the professional I we get on the other one. <laughs> yeah, the, the nut story. Like, what is wrong with you, dude? Go to the hospital. <laughs> Gee, get it. Like, I don't want to get a needle in my nuts, in my sack. Just dude, <laughs> grow up, A-Ray. Go to the doctor, dude. Jesus. Oh, uh, Roto, this this was a good this was a highlight, man. If if we still had pulpies, just it, it, it wins now. It just it couldn't I mean it it just it's the most A Ray story <laughs> ever. And I don't know how that's even possible because right. there are so many incredible A Ray stories. But I was actually watching him live from the booth, like literally looking at A Ray yeah. as he lost traction. Like so I watched the whole thing live <sighs> and got to relive it. Got to live it and then relive it and relive it and relive it. And uh, it's just, it's just ridiculous. The whole situation is ridiculous. Yeah. I, I don't even, I, I wish I could, I don't even think you could show, if you showed this to somebody that's not a motocross fan, they would think it's a skit. They would literally <laughs> think this was something that Out of a movie. possibly have happened. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, it was, it was during competition. It's 100% real. Right. And <laughs> Roto, why does A-Ray go? turn himself in almost at the AMA truck. Oh if they can't find you, they can't he's, find you. He's just too pure for this world. Okay. Like, Oh, he's, we don't know. deserve a, like Devin Rivers. Like, hell no, I was down at the line ready to go racing. Like I, <laughs> they came and found him. Oh man. A Ray. Come on, dude. Okay. Race tech rant. Typically my favorite subject or my favorite topic of the night. My favorite seven segment pulp 20 to save at race tech. Um, I got, first of all, I, I had a rant last week on grammar because Steve had a rant on grammar. I went off on grammar because grammar and the English butchering the English language drives me insane. And apparently I upset a couple people cause I got a couple emails. So <laughs> no disrespect. I'm sorry. I just, it's a personal thing. It's just, it's just me. I don't, I, I I'm not calling anybody stupid. It just drives me crazy. But let's listen to this week's uh, Race Tech Rant. People are like, that's fucked up. There's fucking disqualifying A-Ray, disqualifying Raper, and then they're going to put that on the highlights on Twitter or, or Instagram, Supercross Live people. Like, I don't understand. People know who the AMA is, right? Like, I mean, everyone knows who the AMA is. They, 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 run, they run the sport. They, you know, the AMA did this. The AMA fucked me. The AMA fucked this. It, right? Like, that's <laughs> everyone knows there's an AMA. Uh, everyone, I thought, would know that Feld runs Supercross. And Supercross Live is Feld Motorsports, and Feld puts on Disney on Ice, and they do the monster trucks, and they promote Supercross. Yeah. So, like, Feld is trying to sell tickets. So they're going to use crashes, passes fights on the track to sell tickets and highlights everyone loves this fight look the ama is in charge of rules and discipline for the series so uh don't run a big bore uh, uh dirty riding uh justin barsha three points and three thousand dollars that's the ama side of things you will not see the ama put out a video of devin raper and alex ray and be like come out to fucking seattle you won't see it feld doesn't give a fuck about fighting on the track they just want to sell tickets uh, Roto. So, no, I don't have a lot to say about this race tech rant. I think it, it's, uh, it's informational. It, it's true. Maybe some people don't really, because we do see these type of things a lot, right? Even like with the Weston Pike thing in the past, like oh, they hate it, but you know they get in trouble, but then they show it on every week. We we still see it sometimes. And, and Steve broke it down probably as best as anybody could. And for those that maybe don't really understand the difference, but I don't know that. 
the people that are making those complaints are the same people listen to Pulp Mex. So either I think most people, I'd like to think most of the people who listen to Pulp Mex actually understand the difference, but I'm probably wrong. Disability Island. Go ahead, Roto. <laughs> uh, my my biggest problem with with the promotion using it as promotion. I mean, I have two points. The okay. first one is, um. I, I guess it's a moral issue. Like we know that Feld's going to do what they have to do to, to, to sell or, you know, to, to put butts in the seats and sure. that's whatever. But the one that got me and I tweeted about this was on YouTube, Supercross live uploaded the 450 main event highlights. That's what the video is called. And the thumbnail is of Raper and a Ray standing like standoff. And I'm like, that's literally not even in the race you're advertising. <laughs> and it'd be different. I did not if, see that. Yeah, and it'd be different if like there wasn't, you know, I'm like, ah, well, maybe nothing interesting happened in that main event when they could have very easily used that shot of Barsha throwing his hand up with Anderson in the ground in the background, which honestly would have got them just as many clicks, if not more. So them literally using an, a moment that didn't even happen in a race to advertise a different race, I thought was pretty lowbrow for the series, and that might just be a moral thing because you know, I mean, I'm sure you you do too, Dark Side, like. Everybody accuses you of clickbait no matter what. And I'm like, that is literally clickbait. That is the definition of clickbait because you are not getting that in the, in the, you know, the video that's advertised. Yeah. yeah that's wow. Yeah. Okay. That changes my perspective a little bit. Uh, yeah. Did you, you said you had two points. You got another one. Yeah. So, so there was just that, but the other one is it's just, you know, these guys, the fan, like you said, the fans, they just can't know. Like the fans don't know. And I feel like it's always, it's, it's semantics. When people say, oh, AMA, they don't mean that. And you know what I mean? Like they just mean the series as a whole. Yeah. I think as we, as we talk, we just, we throw out AMA, you know, Peacock, Supercross, and NBC, we don't literally. Everybody. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. The, the announcers, you, you know, Daniel Blair. Yeah. <laughs> you know who we mean. It's, it was semantics <laughs> a little bit of people being like, oh, well, the AMA doesn't actually make that decision. And I'm like, you know what we meant. Right. Like, it just it just sucks. We want to be taken as a legitimate sport, and I've seen a lot of people say that. Oh, we need to be. We should be more legit, and we need to be perceived as more than just a Monster Jam sideshow. But then those same people will be like, "Yeah, but if it grows the sport, but if it grows the sport, then who cares?" And I'm like, "Well, we care as racing fans. We want you know we want motorsport fans. We don't want Monster Jam fans." Yeah, I don't need WWE fans. Rank. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Jericho. We we don't need WWE fans. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'll take WWE fight. fans, but I don't want WWE fans coming to Moto because they think it's WWE. Yeah. yeah. If you want to see a fist fight, there are places you can go and specifically see a fist fight. That is true. But I mean, I, we didn't really see a fist fight Saturday night. No. <laughs> Trent, thoughts? No. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same with you guys. Like, it's, we know that's the case. Like, the AMA makes the rules and stuff like that. But, you know... I, at a point, like, yeah, it's kind of like he then fells go and you know, advertise it and make it, you know, part of the thing <clears throat> with no context. Like, if you see that and you go, oh, there's this happened, and then if you actually know about the sport, like, those two guys didn't get to race for the rest of the night. They didn't get to make any money for the rest of the night because, you know, the, the governing body sat them out. But, you know, but that's what's got you to the sport is, oh, that's cool. Like, I want to watch this stuff happen, but it really doesn't because if it does and these guys don't make any money. So kind of one of those give and take things where maybe the promoter, as much as I don't, I kind of don't want to put this out there, but there's been instances in other 
racing that the promoters kind of stepped in and gone, hey, we may just turn a blind eye to this a little bit, like give them a slap on the wrist, but let them go because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what what have we been talking about all week is so far is Devin Raper and A-Ray having the fight in the heat race. Like yeah. every media outlet's talking about it, it's all over YouTube, it's all over social media, like the best bit of promotion they can get, but these two guys have to lose out because of it. Like, I understand why they had to, but it kind of sucks to them. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's like, coming from a guy who wants to support the privateers, you know? Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, want to thank motorsport.com. Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you're racing the track, ride on the trails, commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride. Only at motorsport.com. We're about to wrap this thing up. Uh, who you got on the push-up contest, Roto? JT or Moser? Oh, man. Um, I got to go Moser. You always have to re- root against JT, right? No, I'm a JT guy. I'm going JT. <laughs> wow. Trent, how about you, man? <laughs> man, I you know JT's going to dig deep. I mean, he's on a hard cut, so he's you know he's going to dig deep, and I think it's going to be a pride thing at at, uh, at a point. I mean, I'm interested to see because these guys are like I don't think either one of them wants to lose. So it could be just two humans laying on a stage <laughs> with nothing left in their body. Yeah. That could be the best part of this whole thing. Whoever wins and loses probably has nothing to do. It'll just be two guys trying to push the. The, their bodily limits just because neither old, one of them want to be, be beaten by the other. So. Here's my thinking, though. It, okay, I'm going JT, not, you know, but we know Moser likes to drink. Moser may be lit <laughs> by the time this thing goes down. So, yeah, so it might be just a walk away. He might not even be able to do a push-up, Roto. That's, val- that's valid. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't have an argument with that. That might be how it goes. All right, last thing. Show five. Oh, go ahead. You got one more, Trent? I just said thin blood from the from the alcohol. He won't uh, he won't get the lactic acid build up as bad. Might be a play. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. It's another way to look at it. Show five hundred uh, in a couple weeks. I think uh, we got four ninety nine next week. He's taking a week off. Then show five hundred. Trent, man, make your uh, predictions. We know we know Daniel Blair and uh, why am I blanking? No, JT? No. Yeah, yeah, JT are in right. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who's the other two? Man, having those two baffled me as to who it could be because normally it's a theme, you know, like they have the Yamaha team in one year and that. So I was like, when they announced that both JT and Daniel Blair are going to be in, I was like, man, that throws me way off because I thought it might have been like a, you know, like a Cowie reunion of some description from, you know, RV and Timmy. Like, I I feel like Timmy has to be involved somewhere for 500, but okay. I could be way off, but. That's where I was leaning until they announced. But then you throw JT in there, maybe it could be. But I have no idea after the, that announcement last week. I was like, man, that threw my theory way up in the air. I, I'm totally lost. I mean, you guys got probably more insight, so you can let me know. I know who it is. But how about you, Roto? Uh, yeah, I have a little too much inside info. Okay. But I will say before I knew anything, I thought it would be cool to do either um, McGrath and Emig or Carmichael and mm. Reed. Yeah. And I thought McGrath dynamic would be more more reasonable, but I was like, you know, RC RC and, and Steven making friends, so I thought that'd be a cool one to have. But well, and that kind of makes sense, right? Daniel is pretty tight with RC; they work together. Mm-hmm. And then JT, mm-hmm. you know, he's pretty tight with Chad Reed. He's pretty tight with a lot of guys. So 
But yeah. Well, they were for a bit there though. JT and Chad weren't cool. For yeah, a while but I think there. they're cool now. I think they're cool now. <laughs> um, but I, I already, I already gave it away on Twitter the other day. It's Sammy Hagar and Scott Stapp from Creed. So sorry, guys. It's a music show. Five hundred's a music show. Uh, Just gonna be one giant copyright claim. <laughs> Yeah, right? <laughs> right? Right, I won't be able to clip any of it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I want to thank motorsport.com, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tire, Seal Savers, as well as I always say, all the sponsors of Pulpamex. Go to uh, pulpamexshow.com, click on that sponsor deals tab, use the sponsor codes, use the motorsport uh, widget to, you know, so Steve can make some more money off of us. But honestly, using those sponsor codes. The sponsors come on, they pay for all this content. They, they allow Steve to do these shows and go to the races and give us all the content we want. So we got to support them. We got to let them know we're listening. Uh, that's what keeps all this stuff going. So use them up. If there's a sponsor that you would like a deal from and you don't see it on the page, contact form at pulpmexshow.com. Steve will try to help you out if you can. Uh, Roto, before we go, anything we missed that you want to touch on? No, you did a really good job. I think that was I think that was everything that everything interesting. Nothing you don't have to listen to the rest of it. Yeah, you don't even have to listen to the Pulp of X show if you haven't yet. No, no, uh, just just this one. I'm in. Right, right. That's what saves people like four and a half hours if they just listen or four hours if they just listen to this show. Um Trent, what about you, man? Anything we missed? Uh just the the one thing I want to touch on is I like when we have these in studio guests that have been former champions and they always and the older ones too, like every writer that they spoke to asked about oh do you know Travis Preston you remember Travis Preston uh, any and nor will. About Travis. yeah and not Will <laughs> I was like <laughs> and I also liked how Will's like his my CPC title mean less than his and he's like yeah because you didn't beat Stu and I was like <laughs> that is the epitome of uh, Steve's whole uh, philosophy on things is it always comes back to Stu so I just yep. that's the part I like was just how he always asked if anyone knew TP and, and I I agree with everyone how they said it was always his interviews that were the best. So to see a little bit of that come out on Monday night was cool. Yeah, good stuff. Great show. Looking forward to next week with Randy Richardson. And I forget, when somebody else in the studio? Roto, do you remember besides Randy? I feel like he no, said... Randy, yeah, I don't remember. I know he said Randy, but I can't remember what else, who else he said. Yeah, I feel like he said somebody else. But it's gonna be. It's always good with Randy in. So it's going to be fun. Randy's going to absolutely push Steve's buttons and try to rile him up. So look forward to that. Look forward to the wrap-up show next week covering it with Nick Still and no, Nick's doing 500. Oh, I don't have anybody set up for next week yet. I got to work on that shit. Um, but anyway, if you guys have any questions, comments, critiques, uh, anything you're upset about, darkside at pulpmix.com. Send me some emails. We'll read them on air if you guys ever send anything. Like if you hate, hate, hate on me, I'll read it on air. So bring it up. Other than that, guys, it's a wrap. We're out. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? Sotia me